You're listening to DraftKings Network. Amino Hassan in studio with Charlotte Wilder down in Miami. We're still here. Hello. Yeah, we're still alive, uh, even though it's been so chilly. So chilly. Oh, my God. What? I love it. I feel like I'm home in the Northeast. I, wore, I brought like a... You I love don't this? Actually. Yeah, you just I love can... weather to come down for not so great weather? Yeah, I'm trying to be positive of me and no. I can wear my sweatshirts no. outside. No, Jason Kidd. I won't be positive. <laughs> I refuse More to be positivity in you the NBA. I'm LeBron. The hell with the setting up what the show is going to be about. Well, let's talk about that right now. Okay. Daisy Kid and Tim McMahon of ESPN mm-hmm. got involved in a little back and forth. Roll the video. Those two are the best in the world, and we feel very comfortable with those two having the ball. Sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but we learn from it, and I think they've answered that question um, from day one. Um, as you just mentioned, they're one of the best, if not the best, in clutch time. But that was a big, big thing you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year. But you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good, right? So write some positive. I just asked you a question, and I'm giving you a answer. <laughs> like I'm, you guys, you know, there's all right to write positive stuff. People will read your positive. <laughs> you don't always have to be negative. Right, like it's it's just the world's already negative enough, right? So let's see some positive stuff on some positive people that are playing, doing their job on a nightly basis. So Jason Kidd says, <laughs> you, you guys don't write positive. <laughs> write some positive. <laughs> Tim McMahon said, all I did was ask you a question, and Jason Kidd says, I'm giving you a bleeping answer. But which he, he's not. It sounds like he's bitching about the question. Yeah, yeah, he's not really giving him an answer. You can't say you're giving him an answer. Yeah, the positivity thing. I mean, if you win, if you're, if everything's working, it'll be a positive story. Well, I think Jason Kidd would argue that they have been, they have been winning, right? Not only did they win that game, but they're one of the top teams in the conference, and it's working to a point where they're winning. You know, so. I feel like that comes with expectation, though, right? Like, you have Luka and Kyrie, mm-hmm. and there were questions all along in the offseason, like, is this going to work? Is Kyrie going to show up? What is this going to look like? And then people are going to keep asking about that, even if you are winning. So it's sort of the hand you're dealt in some ways for what the narrative was shaped to right. be. So I, I get it in that he's like, can you just write something nice? But it's also not, that's not how it works. I wonder if I don't, really get it either maybe it's because i came up on the internet getting yelled at a lot and just learned to be like okay well i guess i can't care what they think or if it's because i'm not faced with it face to face i right. can't, maybe it's the the head coach going out there and being like i have to talk to you every day and like it the the grading of it yeah. but i also feel like the coolest thing you can do if somebody is pissing you off is not let them know that they're yeah, pissing like, you up. Like it is if he had come out there and been and just like you keep your cool, you answer the question, 
Like well, the the cool thing about this is Tim McMahon, like kind of has a history of getting on the wrong side of guys, and I think he does an excellent job. We've talked about his work here before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he does a good job, but he he is not a cuddly PR-ish type of writer. Right. So there's the, the situation I remember a few years ago. It was in the playoffs where Rick Carlisle benched Rajon Rondo and then play him for like the entire second half of a game. And Tim said, are you like, was that a coaching decision? Or was like, a, was that an X's and O's decision? Or was that like a, like a, a, a personal, yeah. yeah. And Rick Carlisle decided to do the time honor tradition of someone asks you a question you don't want to answer. So then you answer about something, you talk about something completely different. Yeah. And so Rick, Tim was like, well, but was that a coaching decision or not? And, Rick says, well, you keep asking me the same question. I don't know how many times you want me to answer it. And Tim says, well, just one because you haven't answered it yet. Right. Like that, that's the kind of guy that Tim McMahon is. Which is a good journalist. Which absolutely. But he doesn't get, doesn't get caught up in a red herring. So the question he asked was about Luca and Kyrie in the clutch. Mm-hmm. And Jason Kidd's answer, to reiterate, says, they're one of the best, if not the best, in clutch time. But that was a big thing you guys want to make a big deal about last year. But you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good. So write some positive. It's like well, also though he didn't say the question was like why are they bad in clutch time. No, he, he ha- asked him about. That's a very telling reaction the dynamic, from Jason right. Kidd. Actually, so Jason Kidd is answering the question and start, he starts talking about last year that nobody talked about. And by the way, he's asking about the dynamics, so maybe there's something positive that's going to come out of this one, but you're already crying about, well, you guys haven't talked. He's asking you about it. Right. But then the most important part about all this is the LeBron parachuting in, and this is from Twitter. For Jay to curse, you know he wasn't happy at all. I don't think I ever heard him curse. (laughs) Okay. I mean, from competing versus him, teaming up with him, and playing for him, never he was hot and quite frankly, right. Love J Kid. Look, LeBron is just all about spreading positivity and love and good feelings. I mean, he's just trying to fill the NBA and Twitter with roses and hearts and little emojis that come out. He's the flower girl of the NBA. <laughs> I like that. We could end on that. Hey, second half of our conversation with Ethan Strauss next. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. You guys think the Timberwolves can beat the Nuggets? Anthony Edwards is plus 1,300 to win finals MVP. Wow, that's putting the cart before the horse. And if your team isn't in the playoffs, you can wager on who's going to win in the draft lottery on May 12th. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code ODDBALL. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. A few days earlier, we had a great conversation with Ethan Strauss about the NBA and the tech world intersecting. That conversation went on. We actually had more. Here's the rest of it right here on Oddball. Adam Silver wants to be a tech bro. What led you to that conclusion? People complaining about him. <laughs> People complaining about him within the league and within Fifth Avenue. And maybe not complaining. It's always balanced with Adam. You know, Adam's not, he's not somebody that anybody is um, just 100% against or 100% hates. It, it's usually balanced with that kind of, um, well, he does this well, but he doesn't do that well. And I think everybody would concede that Adam is very enamored with European soccer. So there's an aspect of wanting to to be in soccer or wanting to mirror soccer and adopt things that work for soccer. The in-season tournament is just heavily borrowed from mm-hmm. international soccer. And then he's quite enamored with the tech world and wanting to be a tech guy and doing the big uh, display of entering the NBA into the metaverse with... Uh, Shaq uh, and whatever coach that he named himself in that situation. And I do think there's a bit of um, searching for the big idea. You know, can we build the entire plane out of the black box? That sort of thinking, I think, has been definitional to the uh, to the Adam Silver era. And in a way, I think looking at it from this perspective is almost a different narrative than what you hear a lot of old school NBA people complain about. When it comes to Adam, the complaint is he's too soft. He's too indulgent of the players. He's too player friendly. And that all might be true. But I think rather than viewing this as about softness or or meekness, one might actually view it as this guy's got bigger ambitions. And just like maybe Evan Wash doesn't look at the uh, breakdown of Hawkeye as top of mind because he's viewing the in-season tournament as the apple of his eye. Maybe Adam Silver has bigger ambitions that he's focused on than whatever the players want. Whatever the players want, Adam just goes, yeah, 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 sure. Give it to them. Fine, fine. I'm focused on this. You know, We're focused on this big idea. And that's really more true to the culture of the NBA uh, corporate structure. Ethan, it seems to me that so many tech companies operate this way. They're like, okay, let's disrupt and innovate and be revolutionaries as opposed to like actually taking care of the people who work for us. Do you think any of this is, you know, with the TV deal coming up and with so many people speculating about streaming and about perhaps a tech company gets involved? Do you think that any of this is, is being done with an eye towards that? Definitely. I mean, I, I think that this Hawkeye technology, a lot of people think it has something to do with the financial interests of the league. That this wasn't just a this wasn't just the NBA looking and going, huh, we want the best statistics. And this is the best way to provide our coaches and players with data. Like nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks this deal was done according to that. Everybody thinks it was done with financial interest in mind. And when you look at Sony and we look at how Sony has a tight relationship with Disney, and you look at the aforementioned Toy Story, um, I do think the TV product and the view of the NBA as an entertainment entity um, has something to do with all of this. And it, it was interesting 
hearing from people within the league, their their view of it to what you're saying uh, is that they agreed to all this without actually understanding how it worked on a granular level for mm-hmm. the employees. They didn't know. They just went, okay, this is our big idea. And there's something called uh, clearing the adaptive valley, which sometimes works out great, where you make a big promise and maybe it'd be really hard to realize that promise. But you work your ass off. And if you realize it, that's how a major leap forward uh, can happen for an individual in a career or an institution. But you know, there are those moments where you actually don't clear the valley, where you're Homer Simpson uh, trying to go over the canyon. Um, and this might be an instance of that. That has to happen too. Sometimes people can't clear the adaptive valley. And for all the optimism... Uh, within the tech scene, uh, sometimes that optimism leads to disaster. Sometimes it leads to a trillion dollar company. Mark Cuban went on all the smoke and he said, the NFL kills us on TV, but we kill them on social three times as great as they kill us on TV. What did you make of that comment? Hmm. I'm trying to pull something from my mind uh, of Bomani Jones talking about centers being credited for things that aren't your job. And that's that's become part of the way that that they've been they've been assessed. And that's kind of how I look at it, uh, where, okay, that's cool. I don't want to be dismissive of that. A lot of people are trying to do that and trying to spread the word of their company um, or of their brand on social media. But you get to the problem of economically appropriating it. Um, I'm not sure how you turn that into money. I don't want to seem like that's all that matters. Uh, I, I actually do care about the cultural relevance of the NBA. And well, he, he there, points to like the age discrepancy as well. That they kill us on TV because their audience is 55 up and our audience is yeah. younger. And so I think I'll he's doing you, some, some extrapolation there. I think the problem with that way of thinking is that you think it would have represented itself in growth by now. And Mm -hmm. the problem for the NBA is that they were singing the song a decade ago when they had twice as many viewers on nationally televised games than they do right now. And the NFL has held steady the whole time. They haven't lost. The NBA has lost considerably. Some of that is because um, young people just aren't so TV inclined. And a lot of people, you hear this all the time. You know, you hear my kid doesn't watch any of the games, but he, you know, goes and watches the highlights right. and they sort of absorb the NBA through this Cliff Notes version. But I don't think this is going to save the NBA. I think this is a general problem with sports. Uh, Generation Alpha, which is just the incoming cohort of teens. Uh, I wrote about this recently that in survey data, only 15%, that's not 50, that's 15, say they enjoy watching sports or that they watch sports. And so I think that all the leagues are facing this existential crisis in the long term. And I don't think any of them are really well positioned uh, against it. And I don't think the NBA is uniquely well positioned to have the hearts and minds of the youth. I think that they're all in a tricky position there. And it's going to be hard for me to believe that they're in a great spot with that until I see something that looks like growth relative to the other leagues. I'm not seeing that. I'm seeing the NBA diminish 
at the same exact trajectory as old grain baseball, um, mostly because I think uh, when you have a bunch of inventory and your sport is non-event based in this culture, you just get drowned out with all the other noise. So I think that's happening to the NBA, just like it's happening to the other sports, even if their average age might be younger and even if they're doing better on social media. Something that confuses me when when we talk about all of this of like TV versus social don't you need TV to get the social clips? Like, isn't that always going to be some sort of symbiotic relationship? It's like people say we don't need local newspapers. Yeah, it's like that's and where then, the stories come from. But then, like, that's where the stories come from. The more your event looks like a big TV event with that sort of grandeur, mm-hmm. I think the more resonant culturally it can be when it goes to these other when it goes to these other outlets. And um, I think it's a mistake to think that you can recreate that somewhere else. TV is still TV. It still looks more important. It still matters more. Um, I think the trick is to make it seem like something you need to tune into as opposed to background noise. Now, the NBA is trying to approach that with the in-season tournament. I don't know that's necessarily going to work in its current incarnation because it's like these are regular season games that they are kind of repackaging like one of those mortgage-backed securities into something else. Um, but they're at least thinking along the correct lines that they need to do something to grab your attention. It's interesting, though. Here's here's a stat that was crazy to me. Uh, speaking of those games that they play over there in Europe for the NFL, when Kansas City played in Germany, I believe, I believe yes. it was Germany, it was on early in the morning. Mm-hmm. And do you know what percentage of the TVs in the Kansas City market were watching that game when it was on? Of the uh, TVs that were on? I, I'm going to guess 40%. 94%. What? Come on, man. 94%. Oh, there ain't that many. Now, that, that, there's got to be people in Kansas City who don't give a they, shit about football, though, right? Well, that's the well, six percent is what you're telling me. They, those are the people who don't have televisions. I mean, they're reading. Well, here's the meaning of that, because in a way it, it's about how the NFL is king, but it's about something else, which is that the rest of TV is disintegrated and fallen away. Because back in the day on a Sunday morning, if you're in Kansas City, you would be watching the local news or the morning show or whatever you might watch on a Sunday morning. But increasingly, television is just this empty arena that sports brings a bunch of people to fill and then the sporting event ends and everybody just walks out of the arena and goes somewhere else. And that's the dynamic currently. And it's just, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm rambling. This is a bit of a digression, but that's part of that story. Is it literally like an arena where we have dark days and we have event days and that's it. That's all, all, but the arena still stays, doesn't go away on the dark days. I mean, maybe we're going to get there. I don't know what's on comedy central right now. I know when I was, in high school, Comedy Central was a big deal, and the Chappelle show was on there and all these other shows people watched, but I have no idea what's going on there. And I guess it wouldn't be inconceivable to me that you would have cable channels that would just during the day be this open space or something more like public access TV. But yeah, we're we're at the point where a lot of TV just matters so much less relative to sports, especially the NFL, especially college football, especially the event-based sports. And so it becomes a question of how do you fill the empty arena? Do you think that part of that would be fewer NBA games? I mean, oh. having 
right? Like if you have a weekly tune in event, that's always seemed to me like, well, that's why people like the NFL, they know exactly when it is and that's when they watch their team. But then obviously that poses problems for, you know, ticket sales. So I don't know what, what the answer is there. No, you're, you're identifying the dynamic, uh, correctly. And, um, there's something that I call the Arnovitz model created by Kevin Arnovitz, maybe about 10 years ago, um, at ESPN of the NBA should have, I think it was 44 games and they should all be on a Tuesday or Thursday. So everybody, because it's not just about the scarcity. It's also about the expectation. Mm-hmm. Everybody in America knows their college football team is probably going to play on Saturday. Everybody knows their NFL team is probably going to play on Sunday, unless it's the marquee game on one of those other nights. And so in the Arnovitz model, you would have that regularity uh, with that scarcity. And then maybe you could have a marquee game on Saturday, and that would be our kind of version of Monday Night Football. Um, something like that, I believe, would just no doubt help the NBA with this problem and make it feel more like an event and help it grow. But to what you're saying, nobody, or at least very few of the people running NBA teams, want to take that risk. And I form it as risk because people always say they don't want to give up the money. I think it's about risk because if you believe this is going to make you more popular, the NFL makes more money than any of the other American leagues. So I think it will work out for you. I think that you would make more money, but that's scary to give up all of that just in the short, all that guaranteed money for the chance of that. If they want to grow, I believe they're going to have to make that painful decision uh, hope they should have, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. probably have done it when they were really riding high in 2014. Um, but this is the decision if they want to grow, if they want to grow, at least domestically, I think that's a decision that they will have to make, but it doesn't seem like there's the will to make it at this particular point in time. All right. Last thing I want to talk about with you is I think one of your most recent things you wrote about, which is the in-season tournament, at least as a TV product, hasn't necessarily proven itself to be this revolutionary thing at least so far but more importantly it is all but a staging ground to attract a streamer like netflix to come in do a reality show around it and sell the live rights to the games in the future that's what's hot in sports right now it's uh you turn your sport into a a reality TV show, which, I mean, the dream is Netflix because Netflix has over 250 million customers. So if you're golf, it's amazing to have full swing. And not only are you selling a part of yourself, but it's just this great free advertising. And somebody like me, I'm a very casual golf fan, but I watch full swing and I go, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah. These are now characters in my life. Formula One is the oh, best yeah. example, a sport that was yes. nowhere near on the national consciousness in America. And in less than five years, now all of a sudden people won't shut the f- up about it. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. Vegas for the F1. Yeah. I'm like, when, <laughs> when did this happen? <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> I love the invitation. Um yeah, that's the, the the original. They've pioneered this. Now, here's the problem. Since I wrote that article, which was in reference to a report in the Sports Business Journal that Netflix was interested, Lucas Shaw, who's a very plugged-in entertainment reporter uh, for Bloomberg, I believe, reported, 
I just talked to Netflix. They're not interested. They're not interested. They don't want it. So the NBA is very aggressive about seeding the entertainment uh, infrastructure with uh, word of their ascendance. And I don't say it as a critique of the NBA and Michael Bass. I, I tip my cap to them. Um, that they're so aggressive about it. But I think in this case, it, it might have resulted in egg on their face because the the report of, ooh, Netflix is interested in this. Because of what I'm saying, the NBA would need Netflix more than Netflix would need the NBA. Um, if, if Netflix wanted to do that sort of full swing type show, uh, it might be like how Stern would give China the games for free back in the day. I almost mm. think they should just do it for free since it's such great advertising. And I do think it might be an indication that I'm not saying that it won't go well for the NBA with their TV rights, just that there's some anxiety, there's some worry. Uh, ESPN and Turner just don't have the money they once had. Uh, We have gotten a look at ESPN's finances because Disney uh, has opened them up to potentially being purchased and people opened up the books and there's just not a lot there. Um, There's not a lot there to, to spend on NBA rights. And by many indications... Uh, Warner Brothers, Turner, whatever we want to call them, they're even worse off. Discovery, whatever we want to call them, they look like they might even be worse off. They're making billions less than they thought they would be a couple years ago. And Matt Bellany, uh, the great entertainment reporter Matt Bellany, I think was the first to sound the alarm and go, I don't know if these guys can even be competitive based on what I'm hearing about how much money they're losing. So I think there's a lot of anxiety for the NBA that they just might have lost out on a game of musical chairs. And that might be why you're seeing so many headlines about everybody who's interested in them. It's not unlike, I mean, what we often see with uh, the way certain reporters who are friendly with certain agents really try to broadcast and with coaches to promote all the interest in them. I think something like that might be happening on the uh, corporate level. Ethan, the Substack is called houseofstrauss.substack.com. You can find all of Ethan's musings, and not all of them are behind a paywall. Some of them are actually no. free. How about mm. that? What some of them, guy. some of them are. I'll try to dress up better. I'll try to look less like, uh, yeah. as you put it, Mark Maron on a bad day. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you took the jacket off. The jacket was. was the jacket was like a, giving was giving you're in a bunker, but I I no, you're doing great, Ethan. Ah, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. This was a this is a great conversation, you know, just to like take a step back from it, you know. Good good questions. Not every day I get to talk about these things. Thanks, Ethan. I mean, yes. We are going to the Pacers game tonight. We are. Across Biscayne Boulevard. Kaseya it is Center. Star Wars night. I'm excited. I can't believe you get Tyrese Halliburton, your last mm-hmm. great hope, and Star Wars night on the same night. On the and same I night. am missing the finale of the Golden Bachelor. Oh, I thought you were gonna, I thought you were gonna say I'm missing Daniel Tice because he got waved and signed with the Clippers. Exactly what I was gonna say, <laughs> but I pivoted at the last moment. No. Um. Anyway, I'll figure it out. In more positive news, you watch TV shows live, by the way. Uh, if it's a big cultural event like the finale of the wow. Golden Bachelor, I haven't watched a TV show that wasn't a sporting to... event live in forever. Well, you're not a devoted bachelor no, follower. S- sadly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be sitting there at the game with the golden bat. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, not. I mean, you could. I don't know how. Captions? I don't know how. Uh, okay, so we got some losing streaks going on. Yeah. Speaking of losing, yeah. that's what everybody on The Bachelor seems to do. Um, 
of the losing streaks we have right now, would you do the honors and and then sure figure out who's going to break it first? So we have the Bucks are at Chicago. The Bulls have lost five games in a row. I feel like Maury Povich right now. We have the in the case of the Atlanta Hawks visiting the San Antonio Spurs. The Spurs have lost twelve games in a row. And then in the case of the Detroit Pistons visiting the New York Knicks, the Pistons have lost 15 games in a row. Charlotte. Yikes. Which of these three games has the best chance at breaking the streak? The answer, Um, my Chucky. mm -hmm. Spurs. I agree. Yeah? I agree. They're playing the Hawks. Yeah. At home. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, well, number one, they're playing the, at home. That's yes, huge, right? That's big. Number two, the Hawks are a notoriously up and down team, right? Very streaky. Then at that point, it switches to the other two teams. I'm just not confident. The Pistons are on the road, and you know the Knicks are the Knicks are a good team, yeah, right? And, and the Pistons are not. I've watched a bunch of Pistons games this year. I, their rotation confuses me. What their decisions to play some people, not to play other people, play some people less than yeah. they probably should. I don't know what's happening. Right. Also, nobody can shoot on that roster. No. Right. We talked about that yesterday. We did. And yeah. Then, and at MSG, it's like okay. Well, and it's on, it's on the road. So yeah, it's a yeah. young team on the road that's lost 15 games in a row. Probably not going to happen. Although it'd be hilarious. If it it would be very funny. And then the other case is like the Bulls, who are hosting the Milwaukee Bucks, but. See, here's the thing with that's the Bucks. That's a day trip, by the yeah. way. Oh yeah, it is. That's nice. Yeah. For the Bucks, they were down 26 to the Blazers at one point. They did come back and win, so I could see like something going a little funky, but I don't think that it will go funky enough for the Bulls to beat the Bucks. Right. So the Bucks, they had that big comeback win against the Blazers. They had the huge win against the Heat uh, to yep. clinch the group in season tournament play. You go and now you play against the Bulls, who. Not only are they not playing well, but doesn't seem to be a whole lot of togetherness, right? So I, I just feel like this is a very vulnerable situation mm-hmm. situation for Chicago. And uh, the Bucks obviously are the best team playing on the night, basically out of those three games we're talking about. Well, I'm going to put some money on the Spurs and see what happens. DraftKings Sportsbook, promo code LAF. That's going to do it for us today. Charlotte will try to be better tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.